0: this morning. Hallelujah. He's worthy today, ain't he? Has he been good to you? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but he's been better to me than I deserve. And he's uh, took care of me when I was sick. Took care of me when I was broke. Took care of me when I was down, and needed a friend. He was a friend that sticks, the Bible said, that will stick closer than a brother. And uh, once again, I'd like to say also that it's good to have all of our visitors. Um, in the house, Misty and family in the house of God. And I uh, thank you for coming to all the visitors here. Man, we, I thought that you went south for the winter. But I guess you just come north for the winter. Hallelujah. Elder brother and sister Parker come, and they wanted to see a little snow. <laughs> but, uh, man, we love brother and sister Parker. Hallelujah. And, uh, and come all the way out of Florida. Got away for I guess from that nice weather to come up here and enjoy some of this cold weather. But we've actually been having some decent weather, and now it's turned off cold, but we've had some decent weather. And so I don't know if we can blame that on y'all or what, but, but we love Brother and Sister Parker. And I know we uh, will be getting to hear from them before they get out of here, but we love the Parker family. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, it's fell my lot, and I don't know. It's hard to preach, Brother John, after Brother Narlock gets done. Uh, he, uh, I don't know y'all that wasn't here. He is very educated, knows the Greek and the Hebrew, uh, can speak it fluently. We just got out of revival with him, a series of services and not only will he quote the scripture, but then he'll interpret it in Greek and Hebrew and tell you the meanings of it. And we was at the baby shower last night and the boys was asking how many words I was going to speak in Hebrew this morning. And so, um, I'm not going to speak any Hebrew this morning. And I said, I told them last night, the only thing you're going to get out of me would be clack, clack, clack. clack," Because that's about what it sounds like to me when he's saying it. But, uh, man, how many enjoyed Brother Norlock in that revival? And... uh, one day I can get as deep as he is in the Word of God, uh, man, I believe all my troubles would be done away with. Man, just a highly intelligent understanding and his understanding of the Word of God. But uh, it has felt my lot to preach right after him, and so you're just going to have to bear with this old country boy. And, uh, but I'm going to be going to the book of Daniel chapter 3 this morning, the book of Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 24 and 25 uh, in your hearing today and probably deal with a couple more verses later. But all, just all, just a familiar scripture today. Just a familiar Bible story, nothing new. But I uh, want to talk to us today, the Lord dealing with my heart and uh, book of Daniel chapter 3 verses 24 And uh, 25 today. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I, I myself, see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Very, very, very elementary here today in our story. And these are, there's, Stories that if you grew up around the house of God or grew up in any Sunday school program in any denominational uh, church across this country, there is some stories, no doubt, that you have heard from being just a lad uh, growing up around the house of God. It be stories like David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den and Israel parting the Red Sea and Hear this story here today of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we have heard these stories uh, for years coming up in Sunday school and around the church. And no other stories have we heard that could, uh, I guess, put an example in front of us about the faith of God and having your faith. Put in God, and how God will hear your cry and your plea and hear your distress call when you need Him, like these stories here. There's probably no bigger stories in the Word of God than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and David and Goliath, and uh, the children at the Red Sea. It just, there's something about them uh, things that happen. And if you uh talking, when we heard Brother uh, Narlock, How to Answer an Atheist. I believe it was Monday night, last Monday night. Oh, man, just a tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, message and teaching on how to answer an atheist. But if you've ever talked with an atheist, somebody that don't believe in God, they will attack. If you talk to them, they will ask you some questions and it, they will ask you, do you really believe that the Red Sea parted, and the children just walked over on water that was standing up and parted. And do you really believe a little little boy killed a big old giant with a rock? Do you really believe that there was a man thrown in the den of lions? Or they will attack most of the time these stories here uh, because they are kind of hard to believe if, if, if you're looking at it in the natural eye, if you're just looking at it through the carnal man. But... If you will bear with me for a moment, I want to take you on a journey today. I'm going to take you back to your old Sunday school days, if you will, and let us look at the Word of God here today, and I want to uh, maybe try to shake something in your faith here this morning, and uh, let you, let maybe hopefully something resonates with you um, in this story today. But. Most of us looking at this story, we would say that this story started right here. This story started with uh, the three Hebrew children um, saying, we're not going to bend and we're not going to bow down to your idol God. But actually, this story starts all the way in the book of Daniel chapter 2. And if you will read and study this out, it's probably about a 10-year story span uh, in this when this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream, and this dream, none of the wise men could interpret this dream, and not only did he want them to interpret it, but he told him he wanted them to tell me what I dreamed. I want you to tell me what the dream that I had last night, and not only do I want you to tell me the dream that I dreamed, but I want you to tell me the interpretation Of my dream. And so, when obviously none of the wise men or the scholars or anybody, uh, sorcerers around there, could tell him what he dreamed in the interpretation, he told them, I want you to put all these wise men to death. I want you to take all of these sorcerers and wise men and whoever is associated with this reputation, I want you to kill them all. And he put that decree out. Well, here here they come. They begin to come through the kingdom, uh, through all of the land, taking all of these wise men and anybody that had this type of reputation. And Daniel was a man that had this reputation. Daniel was a man that had the reputation of being a wise man. And so when they got to his house and they told him what had happened and we're here to get you, we're going to put you to death and he said whoa, wait a minute here, let me let me entreat the Lord, you go tell the king, give me the night, and I 'll come tomorrow and I 'll talk to him and see if I uh, can 't tell him in his dream and obviously the Lord uh, revealed unto Daniel the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and he, he was able to go before the king and he told the king uh, that in your dream Nebuchadnezzar, you 've seen a man, and this man was a giant stature of a man, and it were composed of different precious metals, he told him, and the figure of the head was made of gold, and the breast and arms were made of silver, and the middle portion of this stature was of bronze, and the legs of iron, and the feet and the toes of iron mixed with clay. Daniel told the king that the image, he began, this is what you dreamed and now I'm going to tell you the interpretation of your dream, O king. And Daniel turned to him and said that this image, it represented different kingdoms and different uh, kingdoms that would rise and fall in this world. And the golden head was Babylon. That's your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, the head, the golden head, and it represented the height and the glory of your achievement the silver would represent a less glorious but stronger kingdom which history if you will study this out and begin to look at it the history of this would reveal that this was the medes and the persians and we know it wasn't very long that the medes and the persians they invaded Babylon and uh, took them away captive. And it was Babylon that had invaded uh, the Israelites and they packed them off and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. These were men that had been taken into captivity out of Jerusalem, out of Israel. And so they are in bondage, but it was the Medes and the Persians that would come in. And they would invade Babylon and tear the kingdom down of Babylon. Uh, Then that kingdom would yield to another kingdom, less glorious but even stronger. The kingdom of bronze, which history reveals that it was the Greeks that invaded the Medes and the Persians and tore down their kingdom and took them away captive. But this would even give way to a stronger and more corrupt Generation and kingdom, and that was the kingdom of the iron, which would be the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire would eventually uh, invade the Greeks and and take them out, take them away into captivity. And then, uh, at the end of your dream, O King, there was this rock, this massive rock that come down, and it crushed this statue. It crushed. Uh, this statue to the ground and to pieces but and if you will read in the word of the Lord it's very impressive that this stone this rock would begin to grow brother Mather and it would grow and consume the whole earth and this stone this rock what it represented Christ Jesus it represented Christ himself in the word of the Lord and this Word would grow and it would cover the whole world. And he began to tell him, "Here's the thing, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be destroyed one day by a kingdom, and then a kingdom's going to destroy that kingdom, and so on and so forth." And uh, no doubt, it probably swelled the head of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, I'm setting at the peak of this deal. I'm sitting at the top. I'm, I'm the goal part. But there was something that began to happen over time in the heart and the life of Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to just bear with me. I'm building a foundation here today. I know uh, we're not really preaching hard and getting after it, but I want to get this in our heart and our soul, and maybe we'll get there here in a little bit. But Nebuchadnezzar, it began to over time, his wicked heart began to rebel against the word of the Lord. It began to rebel against the things that God wanted him to do and the things that he had set in order. He had put Daniel at that time, he said, I'm going to put you over all of the providences. And if you will read this and understand that a lot of uh, people question, Well, where was Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown into the furnace? And uh, If you will study it out, and, and the Bible does not say this, but um, they built the statue that we read here today that they all had to bow down to. They, they built the stature in the plains of Dora. And the plains of Dora was about 20 miles, Brother Jimbo, away from the palace. And Daniel was no doubt. He was over all the province. He was over all the palace. He was over all the land of the Babylonians. And so, no doubt, Daniel was not even there, being twenty miles. And that twenty miles, you had to do it either by ox or horse or by camel, by cart. And so, it's not something you know. We we jump in our cars today and run 20 miles down the road and there just in a few minutes and 20, 30 minutes, we're right back and uh, man, it's uh, maybe may wasted an hour of our day to go 20 miles, but this was uh, a, at least a day's journey, maybe more, and so no doubt uh, uh Uh, Daniel was not even there when all of this happened. He was probably taking care of the kingdom 20 miles away when all this uh, had happened. But there was something about uh, the heart and the mind of King Nebuchadnezzar when he began to walk away and he began to think wait a minute there's going to be a kingdom that takes me over. There's going to be a kingdom that comes in and destroys everything that I've got going here. And so there was something on the inside of him that began to turn over. There was a hatred uh, for this God that that, uh, would speak this into existence. How could somebody destroy everything that I work for? I'm I'm the king. There shouldn't be nobody tell me what to do and where to go and and how to live and and, and construct me and constrict me. But uh, in all of this, instead of responding to the word of God, uh, his heart become cold and callous to what God has. had said, And so he ordered them one day, hey, I want to build a statue. I want to build this statue and I want everybody to bow down to the statue. So Nebuchadnezzar, he built this statue and this statue stood nine stories tall. It towered over everything that it was around it. It was huge and when it was finished, he demanded that everyone under the influence of the Babylonian empire come and worship this statue. So they come from every tongue, nation, race to the plain of Dora. And when the music played, they bent their knee in allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar and his defiance of God. Everyone bowed down except those three Hebrew Boys, the crowd was so massive that it was not initially apparent to the king that these three Hebrew boys was not bowing down like everybody bowed down. But there was certain uh, Chaldean astrologers. The Bible says in the Book of Daniel that they went out of their way to report to the king, "Hey, King, there's three boys over there. They won't bow." They won't bow down to this image that you have made. And so the king, he got mad in his anger. He said, I'll tell you what you do. I want to see this for myself. I want you to go get them three Hebrew children. I want you to bring them up here. And we're going to play this music again. We're going to do this all over again. And if they don't bow down, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to cast them into a fiery furnace. We're going to cast them down and cast them in, and we're going to heat this thing up seven times hotter than it normally is, and we're going to get the meanest, baddest old boys in the the county to come over and grab them. We're going to throw them in there, and this is the defining moment right here for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's one thing when you're standing in the corner. It's one thing when you're uh, in the midst of a crowd and uh, maybe no, everybody just can't tell that you're bowing down to this idol uh, that he had, had made to worship. But when you're standing up there by the king himself and when you're standing up there right beside him and he's looking you right in the eyeball and he's saying, are you going to bow down to this idol that I have put up for everybody to worship? Ah, it's one thing to defy the king and do what's right when the king wasn't paying attention. But it was an entirely different thing to stand in his presence right there beside the fiery furnace and defy his demands. Uh, after all, it's just a dumb statue it's just uh something built by an ignorant king that's uh just got something to show that everybody's going to listen to him and obey him and he's going to defy that there is a god in heaven that said that he was going to tear down his kingdom and so man it's just it's just a statue and we' just it's built by an ignorant king. who would ever remember that they gave in under such extreme pressure? to conform in fact who would even care after all they could simply say that we may have bowed down on the outside but they were really standing up on the inside. Nobody would hold that against them. We're really, we're going to bow down, but we want you to know that really we don't agree with bowing down. But there was something within them that said, no, we're not going to bow down to this idol that we're going to worship. We worship the one true God, the only God. And so even under the pressure, and then I'm going to deal with this right here just for a moment. We are living uh, one preacher preached years ago in the pressure cooker hour we're we're living in a day in a time that if you don't conform to this wokeism or uh, to what these things that the world is trying to shove down our throats and put into us uh, uh, that you become racist or you become uh, some weirdo that if you don't conform and if you don't agree with what they're trying to teach Teach our kids and our our young people and our older people in our colleges and universities and now in our high schools and and through this COVID pandemic we realized us as parents uh, we realized what was being taught to our kids when they begin to bring all of their book learning and all their books to the house and we begin to look at all of the filth and the vulgarity of of what was being shoved down our little kids' throats since they was just. Uh, uh, young babies and and you know it's it, you know if it's not careful uh, it, it's easy to say well everybody else is doing it everybody else is just going on with it I, I know it's not right I know that it's vulgar and it's it, it's immoral and it goes against everything that. What the uh, what my even grandma and my grandpa, let alone the church says, uh, and let alone what the Bible says, uh, uh, but you know everybody else is doing it. elder Everybody else is, is bowing down to the knee, and you know I'm going to bow, but I, I, I'm not going to agree with it. On the outside, I'm bowing, but on the inside, I'm I, I'm going to let them know. I'm gonna I'm gonna let my kids know uh, in the house. Uh, now we ain't going to agree with that, but when we get out there, we're going to conform because we don't want everybody else to realize uh, what's really going on. We don't want them to make fun of us. We don't want them uh, to attack us or maybe take away a little bit of business uh, uh, from from us. Man, we're self-employed. I I don't know, man, if I say something, uh, I might get fired or they won't use me anymore. They'll find some other uh, contractor or worker or whatever it might be. And so I'm just going to conform to it. Uh, No, 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 no. I'm gonna tell you something today if there's ever been a day and if there's ever been an hour that we need to have the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's the day and hour that we are living in right now. I'm not gonna conform to what this world has to offer. I'm not gonna conform to what this world is trying to put on my babies and on my family and on my grandbabies. I know I might look odd and I might look stupid and people might make fun of me and they might talk about me. But I want this world to know that I don't agree with what they're trying to teach our young kids in our schools and in our colleges and our universities. I I want well I don't know about you but my Bible still says come out from amongst them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing I want to come out this morning and be separate oh they might look at you're one of them weirdos you're one of them crazy apostolics I come to tell you today they thought the same thing about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego but they stood up in the face of adversity and they said, Oh, King, I, I, we don't even care how we answer you. I, we ain't going to even pick our words. I, we're just going to tell you we're not going to bend and we're not going to bow. If you're not careful, uh, we worry, and I, I, I've got businesses, and trying to get out of some of these businesses that make—they're consuming my time, trying to sell them. But I do have businesses, and and trying to orchestrate, and and trying to navigate, if you will, uh, through the through life, uh, and pick, and and, and pick. I want to be. Uh, Uh, responsible. I want to be a good businessman and I don't want to put so much on uh, uh, the ones that work for me and the ones that I'm doing business with but I'm going to tell you here today uh, that I'm not going to back up uh, on my moral. I'm not going to back up on my values. I'm not going to back up uh, on what I feel like this word of God says. Uh, This this word of God, it's right. Uh, It's a lamp unto my feet uh, and it's a light unto my path. Uh, This word of God, it's leading me. It's guiding me. It's going to take me to heaven. And this same word of God, it's what's going to judge me on judgment day. When this word of God is open, that's what I'm going to be judged out of. That's why they attack this word of God. This name, my main point of my message here today, but I just feel this in my spirit today. We are being attacked because we're moral. You are being attacked because you teach your kids the difference between a man and a woman. You teach your kids that it's not okay to marry another woman marrying a woman and a man marrying a man. We teach our kids that it is a man and a woman that fall in love. It's a man and woman that reproduce why do we teach that it's because what the word of god says one person said and we say it often he didn't make adam and steve he made adam and eve but if you're not careful in the day and the time that we are living in that they're almost making you seem outdated and weird, and, uh, and man, you're racist. They, they use this word racist uh, uh, so much, and they put it out there, and you're homophobic, and you're all of this. And man, they try to separate you and make you look like you're crazy or, or you're a little bit off oh, center. And the whole time, I'm thinking, man, I'm just sticking with what the Word of God said. I believe this Word of God to be true today. This word of God, they hate this word of God. That's why they take it out of our schools and out of our universities and they take it out of all the places uh, that they can, out of the courtroom systems and they take the Ten Commandments off the wall and uh, man, it's okay to have sat- satanic uh, uh, sculptures and statues uh, in the in the school system, but it's not okay to meet at the flagpole pol- for prayer uh, before school even starts. It's not okay that a coach uh, can take his little football team and get them together and pray before a football game and they fire this coach because he just gets his little high school team and they meet for prayer. There's something about this word of God pastor that it condemns them. It, it gets down where they're living and all the prophecies that, that have come forth and they won't say well that's just a fairy tale. That oh, Things in that book never really happened but you can go as Brother Norlock said and follow uh, not just this Bible but you can follow the science uh, and science backs up the things that's happened in this Bible and science backs up the things that's that's coming forth and happening today and they're finding all of these things and digging them up uh, all the things that was written down in this word of God thousands of years ago because whoa what is it now it's not really so much uh, this Bible is just a fairy tale but they know down deep inside that this word of God is true and this word of God condemns them I'm going to tell you something today. They could have bowed down, but I'm going to tell you uh, uh, on the end, on the outside, but on the inside, they could have been. But there was something that I feel like them three Hebrew children wanted everybody in that kingdom to know. We're not going to go that way, and we're not going to associate with that, and we're not going to do that, and we're not. Woo. Oh, I know it's easy to get caught up. And the pressures of, of life and the pressures of family and the pressures of friends and the peer pressure uh, uh, at your buddies and uh, at school. But I'm going to tell you something today. There needs somebody in this day and hour that we are living to stand up and say no. We're not going to go that way. I'm not going to get involved in that. I don't partake in that. Woo. I'm going to tell you something here today, young men that's in here, and I know most of them young ladies uh, that's in here. Most of them are in Sunday school, but I'm going to tell you something here today. Don't let the peer pressures of your friends and and your buddies and and family, whoever it may be, uh, put the pressure on you to to do things that go against this word of God. It's peer pressure. I don't have time to go in to the Word of God, and this is, this is I was spending way f- longer than what I even anticipated in spending on this, but I just feel it in my heart and my soul. But there's somebody that's in your group. There's a friend. There's a family uh, member. There's a buddy that's beside you, and they're just waiting for you to take a stand. They might not have the gumption uh, or the grit to take a stand and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to smoke that. I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to partake in that. I'm not going to go over there. And they're just needing somebody else with a little more gumption to say, you know what? I'll do it in the face of everybody. And then that's when you do it. They're going to say, you know what? I've been thinking the same thing. I'm going to do it too. I'm, I'm going to take a st- The Norlock said, what, "What was it? There was 30 percent that's for it, 30 percent that's against it, and there's 40 percent that's on the fence. They're straight on the fence. They just need their mind made up." I'm going to tell you something today. You need to be the 30 percent that stands up to affect the 40 percent and say, "You know what? It's time we get this old world back on track. It's time we bring the Bible back into our homes." Say, well, preacher, they'll never allow this old Bible back into our school systems and our colleges. Oh, they probably won't. I'll tell you one school where it's gonna be at. Neosho Apostolic Lighthouse School. But I'll tell you where this old book can go. I'll tell you where this old book can get. It can get back into our homes, Brother Jimbo. It can get back into our houses and back into our lives. And, and we can just sit down instead of uh, being coming about with our cell phones and video games and everything else that vides our time and television. We can sit down and say, you know what, honey? Instead of watching this tonight instead of playing that game tonight what's your ba- favorite Bible verse honey? What's your favorite Bible verse son? Read me the first, what's your favorite word of God? And, and as a family you sit around and you begin to read the word of God to one another and, and your boy your daughter, uh, they get out this old book uh, and they say oh daddy let me tell you about my favorite verse in the Bible. Oh baby let me, oh, I want to hear it. Oh daddy it was when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, uh, man that will king was looking them right in the face and said are you going to bend? Are you going to bow? And they said oh no we're not going to bend. Dad let me read it. It's in the book of Daniel and you begin to read the word of God. say what are you talking about brother Caleb all I'm going to do is affect my family all I'm going to do is affect my kids I'm going to tell you something today Noah built the ark for 120 years and for 120 years he preached the word of the God and he didn't save one body but his own immediate family I did, I can go back and I promise you if we could bring Noah back up out of the grave today he would say it was worth it it was worth it. every nail drove It was worth every long cut down. If we're not careful, we'll bend to the pressures of this world. What are you talking about? This is our identity. This is who we are. We don't worship idol gods made of gold. We don't worship idol gods. Idol gods. We don't worship the gods of this world and the things of this world. We, we don't get caught up in worshiping uh, idol gods and idol worship and idol th- things uh, that sacrifice to idols. And say, oh, Brother Caleb, I'm going to tell you something today. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care who's getting involved with it. It don't make it right. Uh, we got to come out and set a defense uh, for the gospel's sake, uh, for what Christ is telling us and what God wants us to do. So-and-so across town's doing it. We're not doing it. So-and-so across town's starting to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to get involved with it. Why? Because it's been taught to me from my youth. We're not going to worship, idol worship, idol gods. The book of Daniel, got to move on. Chapter 3, verses 13 I want to read a few verses of scripture right here, and I know we all know the story, and I've got to move on. I'm running out of time. But I want to read it to you today. Chapter 3, chapter 3 and verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do ye not serve my gods? Notice that, the little g. Hallelujah. The gods of this world. Anytime they're not talking about the one true God in your Bible, it'll have a small g, not a capital G. Worship. And not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready that what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, but psaltery, the dismalmer, and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Who is your God going to do that for you? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But, if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Boy, you could get into a one God, apostolic message right there, if you will. But, there was something about it. I, I, I want to deal with this. And the title of my message is, When You Can't See Him. When You Can't See Him. The outrage of the king, and he got mad, and so he commanded the, to be heated up. Heat this thing up. We're going to throw these boys into the fiery furnace. And so they heated it up, so hot that they throwed them in there, and it was so hot that the man that threw him in there was killed. So hot. But there was something that miraculous happened and we've known and we heard the story. But as I begin to read this and look at this and dwell on this, there was something about this that I never saw in the scripture. And the Bible said that the king was astonished. And he got up off of the chair that he was sitting in, the Bible said, and he began to look around and he said, Did we not throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into this fire? Did we not throw three of them? But what he saw was four men walking around in the fire, free from their bonds, free from the ropes that they had been bound by, and they was not consumed by the fire. And that's the thing, if you're not careful, that you always talk about. Man, they was just, you you get it from uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's point of view in the story. But the Bible says that the Bible never says that the three Hebrew children saw the fourth man in the fire. The Bible don't say that the three Hebrew children looked over and said, Okay, man, God is in this fiery furnace with us. Everything's going to be okay. It, it didn't say that. As a matter of fact, it didn't say that the king's advisors saw the fourth man in the fire. So what do he talk about? Well, even when he asked them, did we not throw three into the fire? And the Bible said, they answered and said unto him, unto the king, true, O king. They didn't even acknowledge that they had seen the fourth man in the fire. But the king says, I see four men in the fire. Loose, walking around, unbound, unhurt. And the fourth is like unto the son of God. So many times through the course of years and times and teaching and and hearing this preached on and hearing this taught on and Sunday school, it's man the three Hebrew children and we hear it uh, God's going to keep them and God's going to protect them and He did and that's great. But as I begin to look at this today and and, th- and yesterday and the day before and uh but there was something about this that the King he's looking man I see four men walking around in there and you you never hear the, uh, the three human children say oh man god was in there with us but sometimes i come to tell you here today that the, we go through things and we face things in life and struggles and and man been praying for brother winkler just lost his son uh his last son and had lost a daughter in the joplin tornado and had two kids and just recently lost his wife uh, and now his last son, his last child, and lost him was there in the passing. And oh man, my heart has just been hurt and praying. Uh, and then, and then, really, what resonated this message back to my memory and begin to look at it and study it again uh, uh, was just the, the oh, just the hurt and the grief that he, brother Winkler, was going through and praying. And he said, "Oh, brother Simpson, I feel like Job. I feel like Job." I feel like everywhere I turned. I lost my daughter and, and, uh, and lost a grandson uh, in the tornado and then I lost my wife just a few months ago and, and now my only, my last boy, my last child uh, uh, has taken from me uh, and just in an instant not even uh, uh, nothing going great one day and the next day gone uh, and I begin to think about this oh God, uh, how do you answer? I was talking to Brother Jones uh, his boy went to their church and he he said brother Caleb what do I say? What what kind of words can I say to help this family, to, to tell this wife and these kids what what? Oh, I said brother Jones I don't have the words to tell you. I don't have that kind of, of intellect and, and language to tell you what you can tell them today. There's no words to tell them other than hey we're behind you and we're for you and God don't make mistakes and God never makes. He's too wise to make a mistake and I I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, uh, oh, but I feel like the Lord impressed on me this message. Uh, sometimes, brother Jimbo, and I hate to say it, I, I hate to be the one, and it sounds kind of cruel, if you will, but uh, there's something, but sometimes uh, we got to go through troubles and trials and circumstances uh, in our life uh, and wondering if God is even with us because we don't see him uh, in the situation uh, that we are in. Uh, but I come to tell you today day uh, that it's the people uh, on the outside uh, that's looking into the furnace uh, and saying my God uh, the only way uh, that he's making it through this trial uh, the only way uh, that he's making it through this circumstance uh, is God Uh, it's got to be with him I see God in his life Uh, I see God in his family Uh, I see God in his kids Say, oh, Brother Simpson, that's not the answer that I'm looking for. I come to tell you today, and I'm not just talking about, Brother Wayne, there's other circumstances in here today that I know about and some that I don't know about. Uh, that some that's talked to me and some that ain't talked to me. Uh, but I come to tell you today, uh, it, the Bible says that it rains on the just and on the unjust. just gotta come to the conclusion that bad things happen to good people. But I also know that bad things happen to bad people but it's how you respond in the moments. It's how you respond in that time at adversity in that time of going through the trial and the circumstance and you say, oh God I can't see you. God, where you at? Are you with me? I come to tell you today, you might not see him, but there's people that's watching you. There's people that's looking at you and they're saying oh my God it's God that's helping him through that. It's God that's given him strength to to carry that load, to go through that trial. Oh preacher, I come to tell you today. Oh, He's with you today. He's with you today. He knows where you're at today. He knows what you're going through today. He knows the struggles that you're facing and you're fighting. The anxiety and the fear and the anguish. Oh, the hurt, the mourning. I come to tell you today, He's with you. He's not forsaking you. He's with you today. Oh, yes, He is. He's gonna pack you. He's gonna you might not see him today, but he's with you. What are you talking about? They believe fervently in the deliverance of God. They have already told the king God can deliver us, us from the fiery furnace. So many times, if we're not careful, we have that prayer. He's going to deliver us from the fiery furnace. He's going to, but when we get put in the fiery furnace, it changes our attitude. If we're not careful... I come to preach to that spirit today. We want to take it out on the church. We want to take it out on the pastor. We want to take it out on the saints of God and and the people that's been good to us. And and it's human nature. We want to lash out because we're hurt. We're in the fire. We're we're in the middle of this fiery furnace of life, if you will. And now it's easy for you to say because it's not you that's in the fiery furnace. It's not you that's going through the trials because we thought... We serve God, Brother Parker. We've been faithful to God for all these years. And why do I have to go through the fiery furnace? You're God. You're powerful. I believe in you. Why couldn't you deliver us from the fiery furnace? Why do we got to go through the fire? I don't know about you, but I've said that before. I've uttered them words before. It's human nature to ask why. It's the human nature, how come me? What are you talking about, preacher? Asaph said, Asaph, he was the chief musician, chief song leader, chief choir leader, if you will. Man, he was over all the music of the temple in the house of David. He sacrificed and gave his life every day to work at the church and make sure the music was right and make sure everybody was singing right and make sure uh, uh, the house of God looked pretty and looked nice. Uh, Brother Donnie, sister, Stephanie, and vacuuming the floors and scrubbing the toilets and wiping off countertops. Just to watch somebody get Kleenex boxes and throw them everywhere, but no murmuring, no complaining. Just our job. Just who we are. That's just what we do. That's just where we just want to be a part. And Asaph, while he was working, brother. John, while he was working at the house of God, the Bible said, he quoted it verbatim for word, he said, when I looked up and I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and I seen them prospering every day, and I, I seen them having everything that I've always dreamed about, and always wanted in life, and, and the uh, if you will, and I'm going to paraphrase, I seen them driving the new cars, and I seen them uh, having the beautiful homes, and beautiful families, and uh, man, everything going good and and the great job that paid them all the money and they could take all the lavish vacations uh, that they wanted to take and they do all the things uh, that they always wanted to do and live in the houses uh, that they always dreamed about Uh, and here I am, Uh, the Bible said uh, and I'm working in the house of God uh, and I'm making sure everything's right uh, at the house of God and the music's right uh, and everything looks pretty and the floors are vacuumed uh, and here I am I'm broke, uh, busted and disgusted and I look up and I see all the ones that just don't even care about the church that don't love God and don't love the things of God and they're prospering Bible said that Asaph said my foot was almost gone I had well nigh slipped I almost let it get me brother Jimbo I almost let it drag me out of the house of God But then I remembered. Then I remembered God, you've been done nothing but good to me. I might not have all the money in the world, and I might not never live in the house that I've always dreamed about. I might not ever drive the car that i I might not ever get the job that I've always dreamed about. But I'm going to tell you something, God. You've been good to me. God, you've been good to me, God. You've been better to me than I deserve. <clears throat> Say, well, why, preacher? Why do we got to go through... The things. Why do we got to go through the furnace and not from the furnace? Because there's going to be people that would have never made it through the trial if they had not been able to say, you know what, brother so-and-so did it. Sister so-and-so did it. And if they can do it, I can do it. Honey, I know it's tight around here and I know... We're going through the fire, I know. Uh, whatever the situation may be but I'm going to tell you something honey brother and sister so and so did it they're doing it and baby if they can do it we can do it uh, how, how did you do it and maybe you make your way to them and say oh man how are you making it through the trial that you're going through I'm going to tell you something we just made the house of God our chief joy we made God our chief love we never missed a service we made our way to the altar we prayed and we cried together not just not just one another but we did it as a family we prayed together as a family we read the Bible together as a family we went to church together as a family say well brother Caleb why is it so important to instill it in your kids, Because I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to be here always. And I'm going to tell you something. You know what? They're, they're going to face trouble. And if they ain't, young people that's in here, if you ain't, you will. Life isn't fair. It's so far from being fair. But you're going to face things in life. You're going to go things through life and life. Young married couples that's in the house today, you're going to face things in your marriage and life that ain't fair and it ain't right and it don't seem fair. But I'm going to tell you something. It's how you respond in the moments of adversity. It's how you respond in the moments when you're down and when you're out and when you're broken. Oh man, the whole world just seems to be on your shoulder. And it's either you can run away from the house of God, you can run away from the pastor you can run away from the altar you can run away from worship uh, and you know what's going to happen when your babies get up and they get under uh, all this pressure and they become in the trials of life that come overtake them you know what they're going to do they're going to do just what mom and dad did they're going to run away from the church they're going to run away from the men. they're going to run away from the altar well, you might have ran just a little ways and stopped and regrouped, but that don't mean that little junior, little Susie, and Johnny is going to run that far. They might run all the way to the drug houses. They run might run all the way to the to the bar stools and the alcoholic joints, oh, and get addicted to things that will kill them and destroy their life and destroy their family. But I'm going to tell you something, Mom and Dad. If they seen you run to the church, if they seen you run to God. God and the ways of God They're going to say you know what I remember when dad was in trouble I remember when mom was in trouble And they made the way to the church And they fell down at an altar And they cried out to God What are you talking about, preacher? I come to tell you today I don't believe for a moment, and I'm almost done. If they'll come to the music, I don't believe for a moment that them three Hebrew children seen that fourth man walking in the fire with them. Do I do I believe? And I'm this is just my my thinking. They don't mean it right, pastor. Right? If he says I'm out of line, man. Pull my coattail. Do I believe that they felt him in the fire furnace? Oh, yes, I do. I felt like they, 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 knew, they knew. They felt him. They knew that he was with them. I'm going to tell you something today. You might look around and you might not feel like God is anywhere near you. But I'm going to tell you something. If you go to somebody and say, hey, Oh man, I'm going through this trial. Oh, yeah, we've been seeing it. We've been watching you. We've been seeing you in that trial. I'll tell you what we've also seen. We've seen how you responded. We've been watching how you respond. And I know that you're in it. But I tell you what we've seen also. We've seen God in that trial with you, sister. We've seen God navigating things in your heart and in your family and in your life. When you couldn't see it, we've seen it. We've seen God working. We've seen God moving. Is there not four men in the fire today? Is there not four men walking around today and one of them, it looks like the son of God. I come to tell you today that God is in your situation. God is with you. God is for you. Oh, preacher, I can't see God. I can't see him. I come to tell you today that we see him. We see him, and that's why you're here today. That's why you're sitting on a pew today. That's why God tugged you to the house. Woo! Oh, preacher, what do you... Uh, you must be talking to the no. I tell you what I'm really talking. I'm talking to somebody that's been coming to church for a very long time, if not all your life, and you needed this message today. I come from a word of God with a word of God to tell you today, God knows where you're at. God is with you. You might not see him, but he right beside you. He's walking around you, he's in your midst. What are you talking about, preacher? Sometimes, sometimes, God puts us in the fire, brother DJ. Puts us right in the middle of it. Oh, preacher, I don't believe that. I don't feel like God will do that. Well, you better take and cut out the book of Job. You better just take the whole book of Job out of this word of God because God put him right in the fire, elder. He said, where have you been coming from? Satan said, I've been walking to and fro back in the earth just looking around seeking whom I may get my hands on. Have you considered my servant Job? Yep. I've looked at him uh, many a time. Brother Josiah, i stared at him wanting to get my hands on him but you got a hedge built around him I can't get to him and the words that nobody wants to hear well I'll tell you what then I'll just tear it down you do it and I'll have him cursing you to your face he'll curse you to your face And God took Job, Brother Matherly, and just shoved him right in the fire. One runner right after another. And Elder Brother Nathaniel Sampson, I'm not going to preach your message, but I could right there. But one runner right after another. Hey, all your cattle's gone, and I'm the only one left. Hey, all your sheep's gone. I'm the only one. Now, you're talking about the richest man in the East. we are talking about a man with substance. You're talking about a man that had everything. And one runner right after another. Hey, all your cattle's gone. I'm the only one left. They killed everybody. All your sheep, all your donkey, all your goats, all your cattle. It was run right after another. He wasn't even kidding to catch his air. When it was all said and done. Elder. Hey. We was at the house, all your kids. There was something about that runner, Brother Mallet. He knew who that runner was. That's the one that's, that's with my kids. That's the one that watches my babies. Hey, a strong wind come. Crashed the house. Killed all of your kids. All seven of them. Seven kids. One time. Seven caskets, seven funerals, seven at one time. Seven viewings at one time. And there's Job. Not only going through that, God plagues him. Not him, but allows the devil to plague him with boils. And the Bible said that he's sitting in ashes with some old pottery. And he's scraping the boils. Brother Hal? More pussy boils off of him, and he's scraping. Oh, you're sick. That's now. Yeah, it was, buddy. And he's sitting there. He's scraping. His kids is dead. Seven, all seven of them. His wife is telling him, Joe, curse God and die." Standing over him, telling him to curse God and die. He's sitting there, scraping the boils. What he's saying, brother Caleb. Saying God put him right in the middle of that fire. He's put him right in the middle of that circumstance. Do I know why? No, I don't truly know why, but I do know one thing. I can look back myself. Poor brother Winkler, not here today, and he can look back. And in his sorrow and anguish, you know who he referred to? He referred to Job. I feel like Job, brother Caleb. I feel like Job. I've lost everything. I feel, how did he know?